Hey, so I'm Steve Boston, and this is Shane Seegers, and as you can tell, John is out of town today. One of the things I do love about our church and about our staff is uh, the importance, they realize the importance of spending time away, getting some rest, and being with family, and so uh, Nick is with his family, and everybody just uses their, their gifts to come forward and, and fill that gap, and John is away with his family, having a, just a great weekend, and Shane and I are jumping in there to fill that gap. Yeah, i got to step up my game after Marley. Goodness I was going to say, could we have just what said a amen? She goes off the stage and I come up. Like, we could pray for y'all. <laughs> we definitely, we're about to have a drop-off here, aren't we? So, uh, Marley, if you just come back up and take Shane's notes, that'd be great. Um, so today, what I wanted to talk about, Shane and I just want to have a conversation. We've been talking a lot over the last several months about about just um, serving and about the why behind it. Because the reality is we have needs in our church. We have needs around us. The building is coming. All those things are happening. And we know that we're going to need everybody being invested, everybody using the gifts and abilities God has given them. And growing up, I've served for a lot of different reasons. I've served out of guilt, which is not a great reason. I've even served out of, out of complete... Um, gratitude for what God has done for me, and that's a great reason to serve. But I think what we've been talking about is what is the why behind it? Because what I've noticed over my life is when I know the why, and when it goes from here to here, and my heart gets invested and gets engaged, it's not a question. I just do whatever God tells me to do. And if it's hanging out with kids, or if it's meeting the needs of somebody that's, uh, that's hungry, whatever it is, when I get to that level and the Spirit's inside me, it just comes natural. And it becomes part of our DNA. And so we're going to talk today about what that looks like, what a transformed heart looks like, and what's the evidence of that. And I want to make sure we're clear. Um, the scriptures are very clear that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. So I don't want to have anything come out of today that, hey, we serve to get something, or we serve to earn our way, or to do this. I just want to make sure that we understand that serving is an evidence Serving is an evidence of our salvation. And the way I was raised was, hey, I accepted Christ, and then it was kind of hunker down, avoid sin, avoid these things, and just try to hang on until I get to heaven. Does that resonate with anybody? It's like just, just hang out with other believers, just, just stay, just kind of close in and just try to protect yourself and keep yourself from something bad. And I realize that so often we define our Christianity by what we avoid morally, which is important. But God defines it by what we pursue. Yeah. It's not just what we avoid, it's what we pursue. Yeah. And so biblically speaking, one of the best ways to make the most of your life is to live with the end in mind. Yeah, again, this is not about, hey, we have needs here at the church and we need you to... Steve and I talk so much, this is about what God wants for you. You know, salvation is not just about forgiveness. That is a part our greatest need as sinners is that we were spiritually dead. If we're spiritually dead, our greatest need is not just forgiveness. It's life. Amen? And that's what God has come to give us, life in the full. But sometimes, let's be honest, as Christians, we feel like, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I know I have forgiveness. But sometimes life is hard. And maybe it doesn't feel very abundant or overflowing. And part of it sometimes, I think, is while life gets hard, we get focused on ourselves. And when we get focused on ourselves, then that life that God has, where we're focused on Him and getting life from Him and sharing it with others, serving, gets kind of pushed out to the side. And that's really what we want you to hear today. 
that God wants you to have life overflowing. But sometimes, even though that is our right, we kind of miss it because life gets hard and we begin to focus on everything else but him and his purpose for us. Exactly. So we're just, we're excited. I don't, I don't know if you can tell that. We're just excited about this message. We've been walking through it with each other for months now, and it's just it's exciting to talk about it with everybody else. So I want us to come in this morning with that anticipation. I want us to come in uh, just believing that God is going to speak to each of us individually in here. I, it is no accident that everybody is sitting here today. God has brought you here today, and I want us to come in with that expectation because sermons are personal. How many times have you walked out of here and said, it was like John was speaking to me? You ever said that? That's what we want. We're expecting God to move today. You're here for a reason. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to look to your neighbor and just say, I'm ready. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Now, I'm ready, Steve. You that? ready? I'm ready. Let's I try that so. again. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Okay, we are ready to hear from God today. Let me pray for us and we'll get going. Father, we do thank you. We're expecting you to move today. We are thanking you that you're already moving. And God, would you just, whatever it is that's kind of hanging us back from just walking into the life that you have for us, would you just remove that? Would you break down any barriers of us taking a chance, taking a risk, whatever it is for your kingdom? Jesus, when you left, you didn't, you didn't just say, hey, just kind of just hunker down and just hide in the room and just wait until I come back and I'll come get you. No, you said, I want you to leverage your lives for the kingdom. And I want you to go out there and I want you to make sure that everybody knows that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, God, I'm praying for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that leads us to point one in our outline. Don't be indifferent about your investment. Don't be indifferent about your investment. You know, God's not indifferent about us, and we shouldn't be indifferent about the life that he gives uh, for us to, he gives us and the, the purpose that he has for us. Listen to these words, this story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his, ma his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. 
You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I get scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Very bold, very difficult teaching from Jesus, but very encouraging. And we're going to look at that as well today. Because what Jesus is saying all throughout Matthew chapter 25, what he's saying with the parable before this one that we're going to discuss, the parable before it is the ten virgins. And it's basically saying, I want you to be prepared. I'm going away. I don't know when I'm going to return. I mean, I know, but you don't know when I'm going to return. And I just want you to be prepared for that. I want you to be prepared. And then he goes down into the parable of the talents, and he's like, hey, I want you to use what I've given you to advance the kingdom while I'm gone. And then finally, at the end of 25, he talks about the kind of things that he wants you to be doing. But as I read this, I thought about the fact that when Kim goes out of town, I don't forget. I don't sit there at home and forget that she's out of town, right? I don't, I don't sit there and go, okay, well, I don't think she's going to come back. Um, you know, I can't wait for her to come back. I talk to her, hey, when are you coming back? I'm excited about that. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Look, I'm going to be gone for a while, but I've got a job for you to do. Don't just hang in there. Don't just hold on. I've got something incredible that I need you to do. Yeah. And that leads us to our first life application. A heart that's been transformed by Christ will lead to a life consumed with serving the people God has placed around us. You know, this, this message is not just about finances and money that's been given to us. It's about everything that God has given to us, our gifts, our abilities, our time. And you see in this story, the servants who are faithful, they were consumed with the tasks that the master had given them. Immediately, they went about what God had for them, bringing about more, getting the return. And you might think, well, consumed is such a strong word, but I don't think it is. I mean, think of Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus and his life is within us, because that's the promise that, that God makes to us, not just that our, our sin account gets settled, but that he gives us his life. And if the life of Jesus was consumed with serving, and we know that because he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If that is the heart of Jesus, then I just want you to know that should be your heart as well. His life and his spirit cannot live within us and not reflect his heart. There's so many people that come and, and they want to be served and they want to consume, but that is not the life that Jesus gives us. The life that Jesus gives us is consumed with serving and giving of himself to people. That's one of the ways that we know that we're really in him. I remember what it was like to be non-Christian. I remember that my total Thoughts and attitude and calendar and everything else was all about me. And then I remember what happened when Jesus began to change my heart. And I, th I think, you know, when we also think about consumed, especially when we're talking about service, we think, well, I'm busy and I get burned out when I add more stuff to my life because we don't have a lot of margin in our life and time. And I, and I think real quickly about the story of Jesus when he met the Samaritan woman the one who had had the five husbands at the well, you know. 
And what was so funny was Jesus was so tired and exhausted from that journey. He told his disciples, y'all go into town and get me food. I'm so tired. I'm going to have to sit down here at the well. And then he has this incredible conversation with this woman. And as she's running back to town, because she's going to go tell everyone what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's done, the disciples come back with food. Because remember, he's exhausted. And they, they say, here's your food. And he's getting up saying, hey, I don't have time to eat. And they're like, what? who brought you food? He's like, you were so tired, you couldn't even go into town. And he's like, I don't even have time to eat now. And they're like, what is this? And he says, the food that I have is to do the will of the Father. Amen. I want you to know that when we start serving, it doesn't deplete us. It actually fills us. The things that depleted Jesus were just the regular activities of life. The things that brought him more life were serving, were giving to others. And he found new life and new joy. It just overflowed from him when he quit just thinking about, you know, my situation, my time. It's the same thing for us. When we start thinking about the needs of others and we get involved, how many of you find it brings you life? It's not just a drain on your energy and time. It's life-giving. So the second one, it's always interesting to me the way that I look at this one guy that had the one talent because the thing that stood out to me the most and what hit me was, I mean, a lot of times we think in the life application there is holding on to something is not necessarily the same as taking care of it. I think a lot of times we think if I'll just hold on to this, I'll protect it, I'll keep it safe. And so he hides it in the ground. He buries it. And he's like, it's safe there. Nobody's going to steal it. You know, he's protecting it. But he didn't lose it, and he didn't, I mean, he didn't leverage it, and he didn't invest it. He didn't gamble it away. I mean, that's interesting here. The parable doesn't say that he went and bought a lottery ticket. He went and did all these things, and he just misused the money. The thing that Jesus calls out here is that he did nothing. And, y'all, that hit me in a way like it has never hit me before. Because what he says here is that nothingness equals wickedness. And I'm going, whoa, wait a minute now. That's a little too close to home because, I, hey, I can be lazy with the best of them. But that's what he's talking about here is, look, I gave you a responsibility. I invested in you. It's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. And he's saying, look, that's the problem. The problem is that you did nothing. I would have been satisfied if you even just put it in the bank with interest. And I think a lot of times one of the enemy's tricks is that he tells us that, hey, just, just avoid sin. Just, just don't do anything morally bad. And, and just, you know, just, just be a good person. Go to church. Do all these things. And I think, as Shane said, we get into all of this just kind of me. And we go through these motions. And he's saying, I've got so much more for you. And so as point one said, don't be indifferent about your investment. That's what this servant was. He was indifferent about it. And he realized that holding on to something is not necessarily the same as taking care of it. And that's what I've really come to grips with over the last few weeks because I, I'll confess that I, I run into that as well. And what I realized this is he was not condemned for what he did. He was condemned for what he didn't do. And I think it's also back to our, the way we view God. Did you notice in the scriptures where he said, I knew you were a hard man? He almost blamed it on God, didn't he? I, I just didn't. I knew that you were a disciplinarian. I knew that you were hard. But you see what Shane talked about with those first two servants? What did the master do with them? He celebrated. It was joyful. It was like, come, well done. He was excited about that. It wasn't some business owner just bottom line, hey, what did you do? Let me see a report. 
And I think that's part of the problem, as, as it says there, that he just, there was just no joy. There was no intimacy with that servant and his master. He didn't just love him with all of his heart. And so he took what he had and he buried it. And so what we want to roll into is point two with that. God will not hold you accountable according to somebody else's ability. God will not hold you accountable according to somebody else's ability. If you notice, the one he gave five to another two, another one, each to their own ability. And so many times, y'all, I compare to those around me. But what I've realized is that when I get to heaven, Jesus is not going to say, why won't you more like Shane Seegers? Why won't you more like John Schmidt? Why won't you this? Why won't you that? You know what he's going to say? Hey, I created you to be Steve Boston. I gave you the gifts and the abilities. Did you notice that, that there was a celebration with each servant? It didn't matter that one had 10 and one had four, right? It was the fact that they had taken what God had given them and they invested it and they multiplied it and the kingdom advanced. And so God is not going to hold you accountable to somebody else's ability. Now, some of us need to stop feeling guilty about that. And so your life application there, stop feeling guilty about what we can't do and invest in what we can do. Stop feeling guilty about what you can't do and invest in what you can do. Some of you in here, you're a mother and you've got small children. You're like, I'd love to serve. I'd love to do all these things. But, I mean, have you ever kept small children at home? It's survive in advance, right? Anybody ever done that? It is, especially with guys. It's like, I'm just trying to get through the day until my wife gets home. And so... But what, what, what God is saying is, I want you to invest in those kids. I want you to raise them in the ways of Christ. Maybe you're a businessman in here, and you're traveling all the time. You're like, I don't have time to get involved. Guess what? Your mission field is every call that you go to. It's everywhere you go. That's one of the things I love about Centerpoint is the rhythms. We call them the rhythms. It's as you're going. So stop feeling guilty about what you can't do and invest in what you can do. And because that's true, investing our lives is usually not a matter of changing our situation, but changing our perspective. And there's a couple of perspectives that we need to change. Because you know what? We can't always change our situation. Yeah. And a lot of times we focus on the wrong thing. So the first thing we need to change is from our perspective to God's perspective. Amen. Again, just like Steve, instead of looking at the other people, seeing what gifts or talents they have or what platforms people might have or what abilities, just realize God has placed you where you are to accomplish a purpose. And he's made you. He's handcrafted you with everything you need to accomplish what he's placed in the area he's placed you with. I think we need to have that, that, that change of perspective. And again, also not that God is some taskmaster, some hard, but he's our loving father. And he's going to be there with us in everything. The other thing that perspective we need to shift from, especially when it comes to investing, is from a short-term mindset to a long-term mindset. I don't know about y'all, but I, we can get so short-term, so focused on, well, how did people respond to this one word, to this one activity, to this one thing? And we begin to wonder, well, was it worth it? Did it make a difference? I want you to know, I invest my life in a group of eighth grade boys. <laughs> wow. You cannot do that and have a short-term investment, a short-term perspective. You leave there questioning your worth as a human being every day because I'm not as interested as, interesting as the latest YouTube video or everything else that's going on. And, you know, I'm there with a long-term investment, praying that, God, whatever word I say, whatever prayer I make, just being there, God, that you're working through that. And I think we need to have that. 
I, I just want you to know, me as a professional minister, I can find myself feeling inadequate and not worthy. And yet that's the wrong perspective. When we focus on God and what he wants to accomplish, we can leave the results to him. And I'm thankful that I've had enough time in this to see other groups of people that were that age 10 years, 20 years later, and you begin to, to see the difference that things that you thought they didn't hear, they didn't understand, that made no difference, had created a significant impact in someone's life. And that's not just for us, that's for you as well. The other thing so, is, yeah, so if that's the case, <laughs> if we can't change our situation, then you need to live right now in your situation. So don't hesitate. That's point three. You see, I hesitated on that point. I was trying <laughs> hey, to bring more emphasis to it. It's okay. Don't We're hesitate. That's good. <laughs> Listen to this. He who had received the five talents went when? At once. Go ahead, circle that, underline that. He went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. See, a lot of times we want to wait till there's better time. If you play that game, you know, life never gets easier or simpler. Life is just lifey all the time. It just keeps happening. God wants us to be responsive now. And I think that's what the first life application is. Jesus never said in the Gospels, follow me later. In fact, there was a story or Jesus told where he was uh, in the Gospels where he was walking and people were coming to him and they said, we'll follow you. And he looked at him and said, the Son of Man doesn't even, have, you know, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head because they didn't know what it meant to really follow him. And then another person, he looked at him and said, no, you follow me. And he said, uh, I'll follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. And really what the man was saying is, hey, after this season in my life when my father passes away, we don't know if it was imminent, but it was, had more the idea, kind of like this. Well, when my children grow up and go off to college, then I'll have more time. Then I can do it. And Jesus was like, no, I'm calling you now. And I think that's the same perspective we have. We need to look at our life. I know we're busy. I know we have things going on. But Jesus has placed you in this situation now. And he's chosen you to be his hands and feet. And he's gifted you to accomplish a purpose. Not 10 years from now. Not five minutes. But now. Consider that. Amen. Second life application under point three is we don't invest because we think it's ours in the first place. There's so many times in my life that I'm afraid to take a risk because, honestly, I'm concerned about what? My reputation. I'm concerned about what it will look like if I step out and try to do something for the Lord and it fails. So many times I have a chance to do something for somebody and I think about my own time. You know, there are three things that we talk about around here that keeps people from getting invested sometimes, and it's that I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, and I don't have enough time. Notice the same, similar thing in all those? What's that, what's that thing? I, right? I can get so selfish, y'all. I'm just going to be honest with you. There are days, I mean, we've got a four-year-old, and there are days I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I just want to nap. And there are days that, that my selfishness turns into laziness. And what I've got to realize is my life is not my own. My life is not my own. My time is not my own. My money is not my own. And so 
what I want to encourage us all today, if God has placed something on your heart that you feel like he's asking you, that he is asking you to do, walk into that today, okay? Trust Jesus for the rest. It's not ours in the first place. Everything he's given us is all for him and all for his kingdom. And I want us to have that eternal perspective today to take a risk and jump out there and leave the results up to God. And then finally, point four is to invest according to the priorities of Jesus. Shane, will you read uh, the Matthew 25, 34 through 40? Yeah. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. And that's point number four today, which is invest according to the priorities of Jesus. All throughout Matthew 25, hey, I want you to be prepared. I want you to be on watch. Here's what I want you to do with the investment I've given you. And here are some places I want you to pour it out. I want you to take care of those people that are in need. But you know what the least of these are, the least of the brothers? It's Shane. It's me. It's everybody in this room. That's the least of these. He's not just saying to meet those needs, the poor and the needy, you will always have with you. Jesus says, yes, we're going to meet those needs, but we have needs right in this room. We have needs right together in our own families. And he's saying, hey, I've put people around you, and I want you to invest in them. And so the question that we've got is, are we serving Christians that God has put around us? Galatians 6.10, let us do good to everybody, and especially those who are in the household of faith. And that's the people in this room, and that's our church body and our church family. And that's the fruit of a heart that's been changed by Christ. And it's fundamental. That's the fundamental way that we prepare for Christ's coming is serving the people put around us. You'll see in your, in your notes there, D.A. Carson said, It's not enough for Jesus' followers to hang in there and wait for the end. They must see themselves for what they are, servants who owe it to their master to improve what he entrusts to them. Failure to do so proves they cannot really be valued disciples at all. That hit me in the face when I read that. It really did. Because the reality is, look, y'all, we don't serve other people to get brownie points. We don't serve other people to get into heaven. We talked about that. Sacrificial service is not a means of salvation. It's evidence of it. But what I've realized is a heart that is consumed about the things of Jesus, I won't have to worry about my selfish nature and my laziness the spirit moving in me, I'll just say yes before I even know what happened to me. And so the question today is, what are we doing with what God has entrusted to us? And the final life application is this, and this was the hardest one for me to swallow. <laughs> will we be commended for our love or will we be called out in our laziness? Because as I told you earlier, I can be very selfish. But if you've looked around in these last days, there are people in need out there. After this pandemic, there are so many people that are struggling, marriages, all sorts of things. And guess who has the answer? Everybody in this room. We've got the answer. We've got what everybody needs out there in the world. And so as we finish up today, I just, I just want to challenge you as, as Trini and the band comes back up. I want us to look at serving in a different way. I want us to look at it with an eternal 
perspective in mind. Because, Shane, we've talked about this. We have needs in this community. I, I mean, we just, this week, I get a text Thursday. Uh, family in our church community that we know well, husband suddenly passes away. Three children. And I'm just going, it just, it just kind of shocked me, just kind of shamed too. We were both just going, I mean, this was not expected. This was tragic. And what I've seen happen over the last few days, y'all, is everybody from our community jumping in. Hey, we'll do meals because, you know, we're good at that. We'll do meals. Uh, we'll pray with them. We'll take care of the kids. We'll go run errands. We'll go to the airport and pick up the parents. I mean, everybody just rallied around this family. And not only that, but with the building coming up, I mean, you heard Marley's story. What an incredible first impression y'all made on her. And we're going to have a lot of chance to do those first impressions with the new building. Yeah. And again, it's not just about the new building. It's now. It's our situation now. People are hurting now. And, you know, for some of us, our first step is coming back to worship. And that's been great. But you know what? There's more people whose first step is coming back to worship. And we need to be, our next step needs to be in serving. So that we can welcome those people who are hurting and are thinking, well, I need to look to Jesus to be my answer. Well, the more people we have helping, the more people we have serving, the more people we can minister to. And we all know people who are struggling. I think specifically about our children's ministry at 11 o'clock. You know, it's one of those things, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And we can't open 11 o'clock service because we don't have enough laborers, enough volunteers. But families want to come. But are they going to come in a place where they can't bring their children? I, I don't know. But I know this. God's prepared us for this situation. Amen. And he's gifted each and every one of us to make a significant investment in the lives of people. And it's not about what we want from you. It's about the life that God wants to live in and through you and to give you. And so we want to pray. God, we want to make the most of this situation. Because if we're faithful now, we have bigger things in store later. And he says if we're faithful with what we have now, even more will be entrusted to us. So I want you to pull out your card um, that's in the bulletin there, and it's a Serve Opportunities card. And here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, normally, at this moment, I would say, hey, y'all pray about this, take it home, let us know something. I'm going to ask you not to hesitate today. I'm going to ask you to take this card, and I'm going to ask you to look at it in all the different areas where we would love to have you invest. And I want you to pray about not hesitating. I want you to pray about trusting Jesus for the rest, okay? Don't worry about, well, I don't know if I can handle the children's ministry. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. You know what? God's given you abilities. And he's just saying, just step forward into that and trust me for the rest. So just with the music in the background, I'm going to pray for us. And um, just want you to take a minute and just prayerfully figure out uh, not if you're going to serve, uh, but where. It's not what God wants from you. It's what he wants for you, and it's what we all want. I was blessed again. I got to pour in a little bit to this family that's going through this tragedy. And, y'all, it just, I was so consumed with my own world. And at first, when I had the opportunity to help, I'm just going to be honest, I was like, well, I, don't, I just don't have time. I can't do this. I can't do that. And God was just like, would you just step into that and trust me for the rest? And he brought other people to watch our four-year-old, and it just all worked perfectly. 
We can trust God to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we just, God, there are so many needs around us. There are so many needs in this room, in our community, in our church. And I think sometimes we get overwhelmed because we've got the building coming and we're going, we're going to need this, we're going to need that. But God, I don't want anybody in here to feel guilted or obliged. What I want is for them to walk straight into this, trusting you, Jesus, and going, okay, Jesus, I know I'm supposed to be doing something until you return. Show me what it is. I'm going to walk into it and trust you. I'm not going to worry about how it's all going to work out. I'm just going to walk into it. Father, we want to be committed for our love. And so many times, I know that I'm lazy, and I know that I'm putting off eternal things. For worldly things. And so I'm just praying that we walk into that today. And Jesus, we love you. Amen.